Welcome to the first ever edition of a new experiment that you and I are trying, Adam Hall. Experiment is the imp- uh, important word here. <laughs> it's time to canonize the films of the past, <sighs> celebrate decades and decades worth of American filmmaking, perhaps world filmmaking. Definitely. For some, for some years. I know you don't want to admit that or, or get on board with that. But yeah, we got to do some world uh, world films here. To be determined. To be determined. Yeah. Um, this used to be called movie hopping. It's yeah. not called that anymore. Oh, God. I'm sorry to all of you confused <laughs> podcast listeners. We have died and come out of our cocoon. <laughs> and we are now born again as the movie hall of fame. Okay. A little double entendre because yeah. your name's actually included in the podcast. That's right. Name so, now. which which means I'm more important than you this time. I, I wanted think. to go with the De Gregorio of fame, but uh, that's I use that's like me whenever whenever people would like uh, talk about the the um, the residence halls that they lived in on campus. They're like, oh yeah, like my name's James, and I I I you know I live in James. Look at that. I was like, yeah, well, my name is literally on every single <laughs> residence hall. Okay, so fuck you. You all live in me. <laughs> oh God, you're Ugh. all in my insides. <laughs> so y'all, here's the deal. Let's explain what's happening here because this might last a while. Yes, we're gonna do this every week from now on. We had sort of a problem with the old show because. We enjoy talking about new movies, but yeah. the problem is if a new movie doesn't come out for months and months at a time that's worthy of talking about, we go months and months without doing a podcast, mm-hmm. and we wanted to do this a little more frequently, and we also wanted to use this as an opportunity to talk about older movies, because anybody can talk about the new ones. Sure. There's a level of expertise that I think you and I have on the matter that lends itself to talking about old mm-hmm. shit. Listen to us saying we have we have a certain level of expertise. We are we're the brains here. If you want our opinions, you just come straight to us. Just and come to us, man. Nobody else. We are the new Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> oh God. And this is this begs the question who's Siskel and who's Ebert? I think that's pretty obvious. <laughs> is it? <laughs> um <laughs> So it's the movie Hall of Fame. Here are the rules. Mm-hmm. Each and every week we will choose a new cinematic year. Could be any year. Could be 1975 could be 1982 Mm -hmm. could be anything up until 2009 because we have this rule no inducting anybody into the hall of fame unless it's been a 10-year waiting period exactly and that's actually something that like real hall of fames do in other sports something the oscars should probably do for fucking best picture they definitely should do that (laughs) i forget i think it was bill simmons who brought up the idea the great sports podcaster and writer bill simmons Mm -hmm. who said that you should have to wait 10 years or at least five years before giving out the best picture award because you truly don't know how a movie is going to hold up five to ten years down the line which those are often the movies that you want to celebrate which is why for the past like i don't know like like 10 years or something, it seems like every film that does get nominated for Best Picture is not the film that should have been nominated, or should have won Best Picture, rather, at the end of the day. Never. Like, think about it. Like, this year, that's certainly not the case. Definitely not. Last year definitely wasn't the case. Definitely not. And what, 2016, Moonlight? Nah, not Probably really. not the case either. 2015 was fucking Spotlight. Maybe. And I like Spotlight, but... It's not Fury Road. Yeah. And, uh, tw- not even 2014, really. I would argue that uh, the one that stuck with people more was probably Boyhood. Or Whiplash. Yeah. Whiplash has stuck with people more than Birdman did. Yeah. Yes. This happens every year. So there is sort of this 
flawed system. And again, we just got done with the Oscars a week ago. That is as indicative an example as anything. Mm -hmm. This system is flawed and doesn't project five to ten years down the line when taking into consideration the quote-unquote best movie of that year. Mm -hmm. So that's what this experiment is all about. Going back into time, nominating six movies each year for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame, and then at the end of this podcast, you and I are going to have to somehow come to a consensus as to which movie is most worthy of celebration and induction into the Hall of Fame. Yes. So... We're kind of answering the question, what was the best movie of the year? I don't necessarily know if that's exactly the question we're answering, though. Would you agree? It's, uh, well, <clears throat> like, like, like for anyone who's curious, like what, <laughs> what we think is definitively the best film of the year. Yeah. Whew. I don't know. Because first of all, we're not going to be able to come to a consensus on that. No. Because there are differing tastes to worry Ex- about. Exactly. Certainly with what we're going to start with, there are different tastes, and we'll explore that. Yeah. And that'll be fun. But yeah, I, uh, what's the best way to categorize how we're going to end up like, uh, like making our picks? Is it just our personal preference and nothing else? No. I, I think we are putting in the we, – we're inducting film excellence, I think, is what we're doing. We're looking for excellence, and we're looking for something – indicative of at least if not that year of movie history here's here's what i would do here here are my qualifications and you tell me if this criteria works for you okay three criteria quality is the movie good yeah or bad and how good or how bad legacy has it stood the test of time is it quotable do people talk about it is it something that maybe did well at the box office or did well critically or has done well <clears throat> since in on demand and video rental. And third, did the movie have a substantial impact? What was the impact of the movie and its effect on film in general? Okay. Was it mimicked a lot in other movies? Did it change certain styles of filmmaking? Did it have a big impact in terms of genre? Mm-hmm. I okay. think those are the three. And I think if we grade all of them on those three criteria... <laughs> We should come to a consensus. We're going to have a fun time in 1982. Oh, I can't wait for this. Uh, I think I think some of those as far as like like pop culture impact. I think those other two can depending on how important those other two are in your categories. I think they can almost cancel that one out because I think a perfect example of that is 1994 with uh, uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah, where I think as far as like the pop culture impact, I think that one had the greatest splash. But there are two other films that I think. So I think that's legacy. Exactly. Like that's a movie that has, again, stood the test of time. People quote it. People remember it. People understand the iconography of that movie. Doesn't mean I think it's the best film of that year, though. I don't think it's it's the, the, the best in terms of quality. And I also don't think it's the best in terms of impact because i i don't think cinematic impact anyway yeah Yeah. well that's what i mean by impact i think i mean cinematically did it change the way that other filmmakers make movies yes i agree we'll get to there when we get to there i think those two are the most important at least in my uh way of categorizing everything right and that's fair and i and i know by which (laughs) movies you decided to nominate that is certainly the case listen if people are coming to us for the first time understand we are two friends that talk about movies almost exclusively all of our conversations are dominated by movies, and we have lots of disagreements about them. <laughs> but lots of agreements. It, Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 
it's a nice healthy mix i think but this will be a good uh bellwether for our relationship and how we choose to discuss these things okay. But also an interesting exploration of how I think even how we understand our own tastes. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> you know right what I mean? too. Yeah, because I, I I need to get a, a grasp on this because you're. Well, let's just get into it. <laughs> Let, let's do it. Yeah. So behind the scenes, the nominating committee, mm. which uh, is just you and I. No, okay. well, you're not supposed to give it away. <laughs> Sorry, we I'm have to pull s- back the curtain. Okay, there we go. So Wizard of Oz style. <laughs> there's actually a secret uh, nominating committee. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Faceless. Uh, anonymous, we, nameless we, people. We pay them very handsomely. Yes. <laughs> and they really liked Green Book. Um, <laughs> develop this six uh, no, uh, list of nominees for the year 1987. Mm-hmm. They are as follows. A Princess Bride, Full Metal Jacket, Predator, RoboCop, Broadcast News, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay. Here's another thing I want to do. Put the nominations up. Yes. Definitely do that. Yeah. These guys are all, and that'll help clarify, you know, our our feelings on these kinds of films. They're at least nominated for greatest of that year. Yes. So there you go. For sure. Those are your six nominees. Mm -hmm. I had a couple things to say about the year 1987 before we got too far into it. Okay. The five nominees for Best Picture that year were Hope and Glory, a movie that I have never even heard of. Me neither. Fatal Attraction. Ah. Oh, that's right. Okay, it did. It was nominated. Which, uh, Michael Douglas, Glenn Close, erotic thriller. I've never actually seen it. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Nico. Oh, you would love that movie. (laughs) I'm sure I would, too. That movie's great. But kicked off, you know... A, a nice run of erotic thrillers in the late 80s to early 90s certainly had a major impact in terms of filmmaking. Yeah. And will, uh, will Verhoeven get nominated again for another uh, erotic film? Definitely not. Dude, well, you are crazy. What? I could do that one. I'm not talking about showgirls. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You thought I was talking about showgirls? You fuck no. Oh, you're talking about... Uh, uh, Basic instincts. Yeah, crossing the legs, lady. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Vagina lady that no. likes with, with the short skirt. Great movie. Newman is all salivating over it. Great movie. Um, Moonstruck, mm-hmm. which I have a lot of regret about not nominating here. I got to be honest with you. No, nah, I can see that too. The more I've been thinking about it, the more I'm like, oh no, that's a great film. It is. Cher is awesome in that movie. I honestly, yeah. Even Nicolas Cage is quite good. Such a charming movie. I don't. I honestly don't think it touches these other ones, though. It's very close, though. Yeah. I, I agree. That was number seven for me in mm-hmm. terms of what we should have nominated. Also nominated Broadcast News. And the winner of Best Picture in 1987, The Last Emperor, directed by Bernardo Bertolucci. If this does not speak to how bullshit the Academy Awards are, <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> Bernardo Bertolucci is a fantastic director. Yes. Last Tango in Paris is an awesome movie. But. I have not seen The Last Emperor. I don't think anybody has. Okay. (laughs) I just want to point out, this is why we need to do this. Yes. This is the whole reason. The Mm -hmm. Last Emperor wins Best Picture. Highest grossing movies of the year. Care to take a guess? Highest grossing? Yeah. 87. Oh, God. Was was The Princess Bride one of the higher grossing ones? No. No. Fuck. Oh, no, you're right. That one didn't do as well. That's right. Oh, God. 1987. 
I have no idea. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Oh, Jesus. All right. People forget what a huge box office draw Eddie Murphy was. Oh, like 48 Hours and all those other great ones. Dude did 48 Hours and Beverly Hills Cop the same year. Both were massive hits. And he was still on SNL. Mm-hmm. He was still like... Because the thing was, too, in the 80s, SNL was in danger of getting canceled. It was like going through a pretty rough patch in its legacy, and Eddie Murphy steps in, saves that show, <laughs> and then launches two mega franchises at the box office, and yes, and it still did great, even though Beverly Hills Cop 2 is not a particularly great movie. Yeah. Um, Fatal Attraction made a lot of money that year, as did The Untouchables and Three Men and a Baby. Oh, that's right. The Untouchables was... Yeah. I like, I like The Untouchables a lot. They're counting Platoon on this list, but Platoon came out the year before, and yeah, I think no. it was just a box office thing. Um, Weird. Yeah. There's this thing called the National Film Registry. This is run by the Library of Congress. Do you Which know what I, this is? Yes, and I like this quite a bit, actually. So this is, I think, the closest thing that we have to what we're doing. Yes. Yes. Precisely. Yeah. Which is sort of a movie hall of fame. They induct 25 movies each year from any year. I think there's also a 10-year... Waiting period. Yes. These are the most diverse, indicative of the culture movies ever yes. made, and they go as far back as like the 1800s. And if you want people, I will say, if you want a definitive, like the definitive list of essentially what you're doing, go look at that. <laughs> and I and I'm serious. But if yeah. you want some personality, you know, come to us. Sure, I like that. <laughs> Only three movies from 1987 are in the National Film Registry. Do you know what they are? Princess Bride. Yep. <sighs> Broadcast news. Yep. Uh, uh, full Metal Jacket. I don't think you're gonna get it. La Bamba. No, I wouldn't have gotten La that. Bamba. Never seen it. Neither have I. But I've heard great <laughs> things about La Bamba. La Bamba. I like the name. La Lou Bamba. Diamond Phillips. That's where the song La Bamba comes from. Oh, okay. All right, all right. About a rock star. I think it's it's like a comedy. I think. Surprised it's on this list. I think it's a big like Latin America movie. All right. I think just sort of culturally, it's big for the uh, Latinas and Latinos. Gotcha. Here, here were the other movies that I felt bad about leaving off the list. Mm-hmm. The also rants, as I'll call them. The Untouchables, as we said. Yep. That's movie a- that I like, don't love. I'm, ooh, that's one where I'm like frustratingly close to loving. I'm not sure. It's like I watch it, maybe, maybe I don't. It's not close. quite there. Yeah. Lethal Weapon. <laughs> now I love Lethal Weapon. I do too. Again, launched a genre of buddy cop action comedies yeah. from the late 80s to early 90s. Yep. Good movie. Iconic. I don't think it's a great movie. Raising Arizona left off the list. Again, it's the mm. Coen Brothers movie that yeah. I have the hardest time loving. I could keep it off for similar reasons. Yeah. Moonstruck, as I said, my number seven, if I were to nominate seven. Spaceballs. Yeah, that can go though. Yeah, that's Similar. I'm I'm fine with it off the list. Dirty Dancing is an iconic movie, not one that I love, not my genre, not my thing, certainly not your thing either. Mm. Good Morning Vietnam. Upsetting because of Robin Williams, even still, I kind of get it. Not a great movie. Yeah. Great performance. Yeah. Not a great movie. And it's only a great performance because he ad-libs the whole thing. Sure. You're a man who's in desperate need of a blowjob. Yeah. <laughs> Fatal Attraction, as you said, Evil Dead Two. That's my most like, uh, like I really de- deliberated over because this one is one of those movies that actually helped out a lot of filmmakers. So it's like, fuck, I don't know. Yes, uh, it's one of my favorites of the year. But if we're going based off of like our criteria, 
Uh, this one hurt. This one. This is the most hurtful one for me personally. It's a movie that even if you're not a big horror fan, yeah. or you're just not a big cinema fan, you can see remnants of Sam Raimi's stylistic choices in a lot of movies still to this day. It's a movie where you've seen it even if you haven't seen it. Right. Yes. Precisely right. And I just watched it for the first time uh, a little <sighs> while ago and loved it. If we ever do a, a second chance video, this uh, or recording rather, this is going to be a serious contender. Uh, and also Wall Street. No, oh. Gordon Gecko. Okay. Probably my favorite Wall Street movie. <laughs> okay. Love it. Yeah, I like Wall Street. Fun movie. Yeah, Wall Street. Snappy good. dialogue, good performances. Yeah. I like that movie a lot. Oliver Stone, he was good. I agree. Yeah. I agree. This is the best version of Oliver Stone. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay. But so think- now that that's out of the way. Uh, Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'm sorry. To the great <sighs> Sam Raimi, we apologize. All right, Adam, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start. Um, okay, you you have the floor. Let's talk Predator. Oh, God. Okay, Predator. Well, uh, this is one of those movies I had to include uh, based off of, like, craftsmanship alone. I think of all the films that we picked here, this one is the, I don't know, I think it's one of the most interesting as far as editing goes. I think it's very ahead of its time in terms of the way it's shot and constructed. It's a film that could be play at uh, any era now or any era going forward and it would not be dated. And I don't think it is dated. Uh, it's one of those films that's, again, just tightly directed. It's an incredible, thrilling experience unlike anything else that had come out that year. Uh, and it's it's a again, it's a film that I've talked about in great length and it's incredibly underrated. And it's a film that a lot of people don't give as much appreciation towards. And it's funny because I think a lot of people now have at least acknowledged how how good it is, or indirectly anyway, with how quotable the film has become. And uh, Yeah, it's strangely quotable years and years down the line. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like Get to the Chopper was yeah. as quoted in the 90s as it is today. Yes. Where I feel like Terminator, right away, I'll be back. Yeah. It was instantly part of the zeitgeist. It's a good question, but you're probably right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, Predator is another film that is, like, again, sort of subconsciously seeped its way into pop culture in that way. And it's a film that inspired countless ripoffs I don't even want to mention because they're not very good. <laughs> but uh, Or any of the sequels. Yeah. But Although that, you feel differently. Well, nah, nah, not, not in that way. But what I will say, the fact that this movie spawned, you know, sequels and that, that one just got released uh, last year, you know, it's it's somewhat indicative of the impact of the movie, the fact that it still has that resonance with people and they identify with it. And uh, yeah, it's just a really, really, really great horror thriller, or sci-fi horror thriller, rather. It's it, not really a horror movie. Though. I know, I know. It's it's become a horror movie retroactively. Yes, it it's and this is the other thing. It's operates similarly to a horror film, and it's constructed very much in that way. But right, horror in its purest form, not tonally, exactly. no, not exactly, not no. at all. This is an action movie. Yeah, this is an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie. Yeah, in the purest sense, but a- but smart action, and that's important. Yeah, they, they they action is used for a very very specific purpose beyond just you know having fun. Yeah, we we talked about this a few months ago when we did The Predator. The thing is, you're right, it has spawned a number of sequels. None of the sequels have done, like, particularly well at the box office. No, that's not true. Yeah, it kind of is. No. Since the original movie, the, the, no, none of the Predator sequels have grossed more than the original film. That's true. And that's 30 years after the fact. Yeah. The new Predator movie made $51 million. Mm-hmm. The original grossed 59 yeah. And it's been 30 years. And if you calculate inflation, that's not even close. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was also a really bad movie. So I guess... The Predator, yeah. yeah. I know. 
which we've talked about yeah. at length. They're all like modest successes from what I from what I've seen. Yeah, they they do well enough to get another movie, but you know, I'll admit I've um, seen Predator a, a few times and I like it, and I <laughs> used to watch it on cable a bunch. I never thought of it as more than just a silly action movie until you made the case last year. <laughs> and it was a good case. It was a compelling case, and it made me rethink the whole franchise to a certain extent. You didn't need to rethink the whole franchise. Yeah, but. you are, I think, being a little generous mm. with your criticisms. A little generous. <laughs> but it's still, you're right, a, a bit smarter than it appears on the surface. Mm-hmm. And I think is a little more self-aware in terms of its views on masculinity and specifically the male action hero yes played in this case by Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers who at that point in their careers were just action figures and it's very important to note that that uh what this film does for the genre is is pretty noteworthy completely changes action films essentially forever yeah John McTiernan went on to direct Die Hard the following year yep is no coincidence, I think, that both movies star untraditional action heroes, or at least traditional action heroes put in untraditional circumstances. Arnold is torn to shreds by this movie. Yep. He does not have some sort of glorious moment of, uh, uh, of triumph, mm-hmm. but rather is pushed to the brink of extinction by this one alien. Becomes essentially like the alien at the end of it, too. Yeah. You know, reduced to just to just this raw sort of, uh, you know, very almost um, what's the word I'm looking for, like feral being. Yes. Which is not something you would ever get out of a Schwarzenegger film. Yeah. He does not defeat the alien. He just survives the alien. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sort of defeats him. But and that is an interesting subversion of the trope. Sure. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. This is not a better movie than Die Hard (laughs) Um, Mm. by any means. Mm. I'm sorry, Adam. It's not. It's definitely not. I don't know. Please. I don't know. Please. I'm not sold on that. You have to. You have to do a lot to convince me on that. Well, we'll have plenty of time, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I did not see Last Action Hero, but apparently, Last Action Hero, as you've explained it to me, takes this subversion to the next level. Yeah, but it, it goes to like Deadpool territories too. Okay. It's 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 a little late to the game in my opinion. I think they didn't need uh the last action hero. They were perfectly fine with Predator. Mm. Also made Hunt for Red October. Love that movie. Interesting story about the development of the script. So the two guys that wrote it, I assume they're brothers, Jim and John Thomas. Yep. I guess there was this joke in the wake of Rocky Four that was circulating around Hollywood that said Rocky Balboa had run out of earthly opponents and he would soon have to fight an alien if a fifth film were to be made. And that joke, I guess, inspired these two brothers to write a screenplay about it. And although Stallone was not the one cast, Schwarzenegger was the one cast, Mm -hmm. this is the idea that the earthly uh, opponents are still no match for our action figure uh, superheroes essentially yeah. that, that, that's like sort of the 80s idea of a, of a superhero where Schwarzenegger and Stallone so that's what that was uh, that spawned from I, I think you know we can there's going to be an interesting conversation that we're going to have over the weeks here of intent versus reception yes and how much of the art we have to um, talk about in terms of what the filmmaker meant 
and how much of the art we have to talk about in terms of what the audience took from it Mm -hmm. and that sort of balance which is in all art yes the difference between viewer and artist i think this movie was clearly intended as a silly 80s action movie with some interesting stuff sprinkled in and i think since has grown a life of its own yes and that's up to you whether or not that's a legitimate way to view this I think John McTiernan's intentions are more in line with what I'm talking about, though, especially in regards to the films that came afterwards. I don't know if he would have taken on the project if it was just going to be Commando. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I still think, like, the script is basically Commando, though. I don't think so. All right. (laughs) It's fair enough. John claude Van Damme was supposed to play the alien? Yep. He actually shot, like, two days, right? Yeah, and then he's tired of his red suit, and then he, he quits, and thank God. And then they get Kevin Peter Hall to dress up in that uh, Rastafarian creature and kick ass, and it's amazing, and it's one of the best designs ever. So there you go. <laughs> All right, I'm telling you right now, Yeah, this movie isn't going to be the one this year. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be. Probably it. not. No. No. Not going to be. I'm sorry to break your heart. I know you love this movie. <laughs> what is going to be, though? It's, it's not going to be broadcast news. It's not going to be Predator. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. All right. Sorry to break it to you. Yeah. Do we have to debate that? We'll debate it in a minute. Okay. Anything else you want to say about Predator? No, it's great. It's great. Okay. That's all I have. The Predator, not so great. <laughs> the Predator is, is a piece of shit. Okay. What do you got? The Princess Bride. Yeah. Princess Bride, directed by Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. Who had, by the way, an awesome streak? What a streak this is! <laughs> Holy shit, this guy's. So this is, I believe, eighty-one to ninety-four. Mm-hmm. Might have been a bit earlier. Yep. This is the list. This is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, which I've never seen, Stand by Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. For a guy that, like, you don't really talk about in terms of the great directors of the 80s, although he made a lot of iconic movies, I don't think, like, Rob Reiner is ever considered a great auteur. No, not really. Either this is just great work on his part or just great script selection, because these are all very good movies. I mean, he's just a smart guy, and all of his films are very smart. (laughs) Yeah. So. Written by William Goldman, based on the novel by William William Goldman. Goldman. Yeah. By the way, I'm reading a William Goldman book right now. How is it? It's called Adventures in the Screen Trade. Okay. It is a memoir about his time in Hollywood okay. and about screenwriting, and it is incredible, and cool. you should read it. I definitely should. Yes. It's really good. <laughs> and if you want to get into movies, I highly recommend The book is like from the early 80s. He wrote it in like 1982, okay. but a lot of the advice is still very relevant now. Okay. It's really good. Adventures in the Screen Trade. William Goldman, rest in peace. Starring Carrie Illis? Illis? Elways. Elways. Mandy Patinkin. The great Mandy Patinkin. Robin Wright, Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, inconceivable! <laughs> Andre the Giant. Peter Falk is in this movie. Yeah. As is Fred Savage as a young boy and Billy <laughs> Crystal in a guest role as well. That's right. Special guest appearance. This movie was named as the AFI's number 88 on their 100 Years 100 Passions list of the greatest love stories of all time. The 88th best love story of all time. Only grossed $30 million at the box office, but did very well in A Second Life. At the time when William Goldman was developing the script, 
a then unknown Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted to play the role of Fezzik, but William Goldman had Andre the Giant in mind, and he gave him the role instead. Good. <laughs> I think. I think that's right. Yeah, I can't see Schwarzenegger in a movie like this without making it worse. Yeah. yeah. He would be a little too distracting. Yeah. Like, like one's Arnold Schwarzenegger, the other is a real-life monster. Right. <laughs> so that's fine. Dude, Andre the Giant is so big. It's like, it's, it's really the type of thing from Game of Thrones or something. He used to cup uh, Robin Wright's head to keep her head warm. He used to, like, with his palm? Yeah, just go like that. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> so he could go like this with her, like a ball, and just pick her up with her head. <laughs> the, the rest of his body, like, I don't find as freaky as I do his head. His head and his hands. Yeah. They're, um, they're massive. It's, it's, it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> when you see his head, you think, oh, I could fit two of my heads in that one head. And I have a big head myself. He could fit an entire, like, two watermelons in that thing. I could fit you in his head. <laughs> if I scrunched up. If enough. you scrunched up, you could probably fit in Andre the Giant's head. Possibly. What a crazy. That's one of the things about this movie. And again, I, by the way, I just watched it the other day to refresh my memory on it because I hadn't seen it in a number of years. Andre the Giant's performance and just presence in this movie, along with Wallace Shawn, mm-hmm. I think adds to the legacy of it. Because yeah. they're such distinctive looking people, and they have such a, like a, a distinctive line delivery, even with Mandy Patinkin, who has had a very good career afterwards as well. There is something so memorable about these characters. And as a character piece, I think it works better than anything else, even as like a fantasy sure. uh, comedy. It's weird. It's just it's very clever and very self aware of its of its own genre, and it plays on that kind of frequently. It's I mean it's a, it's a comedy first and foremost, more than anything, in my opinion. Yeah, because the film is absolutely hilarious. But again, it, yeah, is it a character piece? I suppose maybe. Yeah, not necessarily like a character study. No, I wouldn't call it that. But very character driven. Certainly, very character driven, yes. and certainly idiosyncratic in those characters. Mm, They're which, very well drawn, which is what I love about the film. Right. It's an, it's odd that a film like this. Uh, grew the way that it did which is very important which is what we have to note yeah yeah i was a little surprised when i watched it the other day of how rough around the edges it felt at times sure it's not like a perfectly made movie in the way that we've come to expect with fantasy movies these days Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to watch lord of the rings and then watch that and you know the music isn't quite there there's a lot of silence in the movie The cuts are a bit odd. The first 10 minutes in particular is very awkward and very janky. Um, Again, when you watch a Peter Jackson fantasy movie, you can't help but compare the two. Sure. (laughs) I mean, I know they're different. Very different. Yeah. Very different. I mean, one's not even trying to do the the same things. I mean, one's aware that it's a fantasy film. Yeah. First and foremost. No, I understand that. So, yeah. I'm just saying, just from a technical perspective, it surprised me. It's older, though. It's 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 not as concerned with those things, I, I guess. No, yeah, I, I suppose. I don't know. It's not it's not trying to create the same epic effect as well as something like Lord of the Rings is. Mm. What do you love about this movie? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Can you be more specific? I love everything. I love the performances. I love its idiosyncratic nature. I love its sense of humor. I love the the sets, and I love the choreography of the fights. And it's just a very clever film with the way it's structured and the way it ends up playing out. Uh, and it's one of those films where it's like every single it, it it's 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 got a very happy ending, but and sometimes that can bother me. But there's something about this one that actually feels earned, where every character goes exactly where they need to be 
It's right. Just, it's a it's an all around incredibly satisfying film. Again, it's a very quotable movie as well. Sure. Yeah, and yeah, it's about it. It's one of probably one of my favorite fantasy films that that's ever come out. My name is Indigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Great line. Good shit. Great yeah. line. The inconceivable thing has not really stood the test of time for me. I'm a little annoyed. By <laughs> Why not? Eh, just a little overdone. Okay. Just every time someone says the word inconceivable, they have to do it with a lisp. Sure. And that bothers me. I don't know me. about that. You keep using that word. I don't know if you know what... <laughs> I can't even say. I don't know if you know what it means. <laughs> Dude, Manny Patinkin is so good in this movie. Yes. Oh my God, he's great. He's awesome. He's my favorite part of the movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He's my favorite part of everything he's in. Have you ever seen Homeland? No. He is so good on Homeland. Is he stopped being an asshole to his co-workers? No, he's okay. still like a big asshole. All right, that's... If you are interested in this sort of thing, I would recommend that you watch the 60-minute piece that he did. Um, they just sort of hang out with him and talk about his career, and they just sort of let him go wild in the interview. And the guy is, like, fucking nuts. Like, the dude is just, like, all over the place and is scatterbrained and talks a mile a minute. And he's the type of dude where you're like, you're so crazy, and I can't tell if it's, like, a great crazy or a bad crazy. <laughs> Well, maybe it's a good, it sounds like a great crazy to me. Yeah. At the end of the day. Tremendous actor, but I can see why people would hate hanging out with him. Yeah. Apparently he's a prick. He's not a great hang. No. Clearly. Um, I agree. The fight choreography is tremendous in this movie too. Uh-huh. That That's so much fun. So much fun. God damn. The oh. fight with Mandy and Carrie at the beginning when he still has his mask on on the mountaintop. I think it's one of the greats. Tremendous scene mm-hmm. and so fun and so charming and you could rewatch that thing a million times. And the amount of like charm and character uh, in that scene as well, and what they have to say and how they have to perform each movement while while delivering their dialogue, it's just really really well done. Yeah, I love it. What's a more iconic movie, this or Predator? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All right. We'll come back to it then. Maybe Princess Bride. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. All right. Keep going. We'll come back to it. All right. Should we do this now? Let's do this now. What, what are we doing? Broadcast news. Oh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. You can you can give your spiel on this one. Written and directed by James L. Brooks. Yeah. The guy who, what did he write and direct the Simpsons movie as well? Yes. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Good movie. I would go with Terms of Endearment and As Good As It Gets. Uh, well, yeah. Those sure. would be the two. He won an Oscar for Terms of Endearment and picked up a bunch of awards for As Good As It Gets as well. <laughs> but and I, yes, was one of the minds behind The Simpsons very early on and has stuck around since, sort of, kind of. Starring William Hurt, Albert Brooks, and Holly Hunter, mm-hmm. all nominated for Academy Awards that year. All of them lost. Yep. All of them rightfully so no i'm just kidding <laughs> every single one that nah. yeah i saw that too every, i was surprised that holly hunter uh lost i didn't know that yeah i thought she won holly hunter lost to share for moonstruck oh really oh, okay In- interesting albert brooks lost best supporting to sean connery and hunt for red october hunt for red october yes and i for- no 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 no. it was for uh, uh untouchables oh right okay i apologize Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm sorry. That's right. Hunt for Red October didn't come out that year. Yeah. All right, a little more defendable then. <laughs> and um, uh, let me just see. 
I forget who William Hurt lost to. But um, I get he's also like great in that movie. I don't know why he was listed as the lead because he's not really the the lead now. The lead in that movie. I mean, Holly Hunter is the lead. Yeah, certainly. Um, let me see. This is. Uh, Michael Douglas for Fatal Attraction. Okay, won that year. Okay, yeah, no, I give it. Yeah, sure. All right, fair. Okay, the fact that all three of them were shut out is pretty crazy to me. It was nominated for a total of seven Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Writing, Best Cinematography. And best film editing didn't win a single one. No, unfortunately, isn't that doesn't that suck when that happens? It happens a lot. It happened with Stars Born this year. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that for many years to come. Mm-hmm. It won best song, I guess, but that's it. Number sixty four on AFI's one hundred years one hundred laughs list for best comedies of all time did very well at the box office. As a matter of fact, made fifty one million dollars, which was nothing to sneeze at. Mm-hmm. Um. Adam Hall, this is by far and away the best movie on the list. <laughs> no, it's not. This is the best movie on the list. Mm, why? And so, so <laughs> I like. I li- in fact, I'll go. No, I like this movie. I don't love this movie, but I like it a lot. So this is a movie about adults. Yeah, that do adult things. Sure. And like, I don't have any sort of prejudice against movies for children, like A Princess Bride, or movies for teenage boys, like RoboCop. <laughs> I, I don't. I was once a kid and a teenage boy, so I get it. Sure, But as an adult, I don't think you get much better than broadcast news. The script is phenomenal. Yeah. It is so endlessly quotable. Is it? Certainly is. He's the devil. He's the devil. I buried the lead. Oh, I buried the lead. What a great line. How do you like that? I buried the lead. Could you say that to people on the street and see how they respond? Well, I don't care about them. <laughs> yes, we do. I'm me. <laughs> That's kind of what we're talking about. I'm me, bro. Okay. I'm me. I am not like a great film historian. Like, I haven't seen like a bunch of the old Hepburn movies, and I'm sure I'm missing a lot of great female performances over time. Holly Hunter in this movie is the best female performance I've ever seen. Okay. But by, mm. I think, a substantial margin. That's not true. And I'm not sure <laughs> what else I would put up there. What else would you put up there? Off the top of your head. Off the top of my head. Uh, Francis McDormand, Fargo. No. Yeah. No, this uh, is better than that. Okay. What else you got? What? <laughs> what else you got? Uh, I would probably honestly go Sigourney Weaver and Aliens. Uh, no. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, off the top of my head, maybe Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay. Never seen it. Um... Oh God! Um, um, and Bancroft, I love in The Graduate. Great in that, not better than this. More of a supporting role. Sure. She's not really in much of that movie. Okay. Mrs. Robinson's only like in the first forty-five minutes, and then she kind of disappears. <laughs> Holly Hunter in the uh, the the Big Sleep. <laughs> right, so it? I haven't the the what is it? What is it? Uh, the Big Sleep. It's not the Big Sleep. The Big Chill. Big ch- no no, it just came out. Oh, just came out? No, what the hell is it called? Where she goes into the coma. Why can't I remember that? Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Big Sick. The Big Sick, yeah. The Big Sick. <laughs> sure. The Big Sleep. That's another movie. <laughs> That's a different movie. I like her in that a lot. 
I don't know if I'd give it to her in this, though. So she has to balance both being the romantic lead. Yeah. And also the professional lead. Mm-hmm. And you have to buy her as both a ambitious news person that cares about her job and cares about her work and cares about what she's doing journalistically, but also like be seductive and be someone that men would fawn over, but also has to be the one making the decisions. She's really incredible in this. She's doing like five different performances in this at the same time. Yes. And she does them all incredibly well. Mm -hmm. This movie isn't just a great romantic comedy, which it is. It's also an incredibly good journalism movie. And it, yes, it no, is that's absolutely very perceptive about how television news works yep. and the deficiencies in television news and how it sometimes glamorizes a profession that is not so glamorous mm-hmm. and often puts the stuff that bleeds in the lead, as the old expression goes, mm-hmm. and prioritizes attractiveness and good looks in the sure. case of uh, William Hurt. I just think it does all of those things incredibly well. And Holly Hunter, I can't take my eyes off of her in this movie. She's incredible. Yes. This is the best one I've ever seen. I can only speak to what I have personally seen, and I have never seen a female performance better than that. Okay. And Albert Brooks is incredible in the supporting role, too. Oh, yeah. I love Albert Brooks in this movie. And is so forgotten. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's always... He's he's not remembered enough. He's very underrated. Uh, But this is not the best movie of uh, of the year. It's not. I don't know, like, what we're using as the word best, then. But this is the problem, though. I, 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 I don't... You're talking... You're talking right now about... About... I mean, quality above everything else. And this is an excellent film, but has no legacy. It, it didn't have any impact. It has, really. has a decent legacy. No, Nico, come on. Has, has a n- decent legacy. No. It's not like a like big blockbuster. It's not Jaws, but it's got like a legacy in terms of smart adult dramas. I don't know if it does. I really don't. I hadn't heard of this film until like last year when, when I saw it. What? Yeah. I had what? no idea this film had even existed. What? I could, Are I, you serious? Yeah. Wow, it's it's not a, an impactful film whatsoever. It's a very good film, very good film. I think a a film that probably des- honestly deserves more appreciation. But that's the problem. That's sort of what I'm getting at. It's like, really, you think this is the film that people would fawn over? I just feel like if this is not going to be considered, we're going to have a hard time considering other romantic comedy adult dramas. There are not many great movies like this. The, uh, just adult dramas? You know what dramas? I mean? That are, that are made for adults and that are not made for like the lowest common denominator. That are romantic? That are romantic in nature but are smart in in their romance. Like there is When Harry Met Sally and there's Pretty Woman and there's, you know, movies made for adults but are still meant to play on people's love of romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. This movie is just like a through and through adult movie. Sure. And I don't think there's a ton of them that we'd be able to point to over the the course of film history. What about the Before trilogy? Again, but that's not... I, is it any more iconic than Broadcast News? No, but it's better. <laughs> and if we're going... Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not, dude. And now I'm out. No, it's, no, it's <laughs> not. 
No, 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 no. You're not. We're not. No, 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 no. What do you have to say? No. Good luck. The before. No, none of the before movies are better than broadcast. That's not true. They're all better. I'm going every single. Maybe before sunset's not as good. Uh, yeah, it's. I just want to know what this movie doesn't do well. It's superbly acted. It is superbly. Okay, I'm gonna. But yeah, but I could say the same exact thing about Predator. There's to me, there's nothing that that film doesn't do well. And this is the issue. It's different, though. No, bro. we're yeah, just talking about is. general attempts at what the film is doing. And if we're talking about what each film is individually doing, Predator does everything it's trying to do incredibly well, as does this one, as does yeah, the Yeah, but Princess the level Pride. of difficulty is a little lower. I disagree with that, though. This is the problem. Is if we're talking about like admiration for certain uh, elements of craft, I look at Predator as like, that's, that's, like, I wouldn't have thought to have done that in any sort of uh, action film of this nature. I certainly would have wouldn't have thought to do any of the 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 cleverness that's in the Princess Bride ever. And whereas broadcast news, I don't know. I could see something like that getting made today and winning best picture. I, I don't know. And, I, and it's never been made as well as broadcast news. It's never been that well made. It's, but it's not I don't know if it's even my favorite journalism movie though. But it's okay, it's a little different than all the president's men in in that way. If sure. that's what you mean. Not even that. Like, well, what, what, what do you like? Like Spotlight. I mean, it's not. It's better than Spotlight, but I would probably maybe go Network. Honestly, I see. I also disagree with that. <sighs> I feel like Network is is a bit dated. Mm. You watch Network and you think, what exactly are they getting at here? But it makes a better point. I think there are some. <laughs> well, it makes a bigger point. I don't know yeah. if it makes a better point. I don't know. I, I feel like it does. It's more effective in that way, though. I feel like there is a subtlety to the commentary. In broadcast news that doesn't exist in network mm-hmm. in network you literally have a guy shouting from the rooftops and and getting shot live on air yes. as a satire of cable journalism or, or network journalism and this is where tastes are going to clash though but because my my opinion on that is like it's a, it's a movie it's yeah, dra- I'm it's dramatic you. i'm with you that's, just, that's the that's the nature of film so i don't really care if it chooses to not be subtle just as long as it really works I'm saying broadcast news makes a lot more nuanced of a point in in sure. in, in the rela- see what what broadcast news does is symbolize the relationship that American audiences have with news people mm-hmm. through the relationship of Holly Hunter and uh, and the two men that are fawning over her, which is very interesting. I just don't know if people responded to it well enough to be like, yeah, best film of that year. I don't know. It's a smart. I, I and I'm uh, incredibly smart. It's movie. one of the smartest movies ever made. I swear to God, yeah. this movie's so freaking good. It's and it's I'm so not, underrated, man. Look, I uh, under yeah, that's the thing. It's underrated for a reason. I my only concern is again, yeah. if this movie doesn't get in, is any other movie of its kind going to get in? Like like down the line for the rest of the years or yes. this year? Yes, for the rest of the years. Anything of its kind. Right. I mean, when 2020 rolls around, social networks getting it, getting in there is in the realm of like smart scripts about the media. Not quite the same. It's not quite what I mean. Totally, it's sort of in that line, though. Not quite what I mean. Yeah. All right, we'll talk about it later, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you have not seen broadcast news, go see, see it. See broadcast news. Oh, my what are you God, doing? go see it. What are you doing? Freaking love that movie. Yes, I love the movie, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not convinced it's the best of 87. RoboCop. Yeah, RoboCop. Is a movie directed by Paul Verhoeven, <laughs> mm-hmm. who is known for Total Recall, Basic Instinct, the aforementioned Showgirls, Starship Troopers, 
and a 2016 movie called L. Did you see L? I did not. Still like making movies. That Paul Verhoeven. Mm-hmm. Still out there kicking. Good for him, right? <laughs> I think, and I'd say this with affection, all of these movies can be described as B-movies. <laughs> and I think he would probably describe them in the same way. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Silly sci-fi concepts that, if you look a little bit under the surface, have a lot more to say. Mm-hmm. It was written by Edward Nimer and Neumeier. Michael... Neumeier. sorry. Yeah. And Michael Miner. Mm-hmm. I believe one of which wrote a novelization. Is that what it's based on? I don't think it's based off of a novel. I think it's strictly Ed Ed uh Aaron Neumeyer saw Blade Runner and he liked the idea of um of uh like a cyborg cop. You know, like because Blade Runner is about a cop going after quote unquote cyborgs, and then he's like, "Oh, I just want to make a movie about a cyborg cop and give it lots of social commentary and make it violent as hell." And you know, mm-hmm. that's that movie did well. In 1987, gross 53 million at the box office, nominated for three Oscars, best sound, best editing, and it won a special achievement Oscar in best sound editing. Okay. Entertainment Weekly named it the 14th greatest action movie of all time. (laughs) And of course, the success of the movie spawned a large franchise, including merchandise, two sequels, a television series, a remake, Mm -hmm. two animated TV series. Have you seen either of those? No. I've heard of them. I, they look awful to me. A television miniseries, video games, and a number of comic book adaptations slash crossovers. That's right. A couple. Did you said sequels too? Right. Yeah. Two sequels, and of course the remake, which I did not see. Did you? I saw bits and pieces of it. It's fine. Not is as it really? not as bad as some people want to think it is, but it's not. Yeah, it's it's inoffensive. It's the best way to describe it. RoboCop is Paul Verhoeven's best movie. Agree or disagree? Agree. Okay. Agree. We're on the same page there. Yes, thank God. <laughs> I love this movie to death. It is a very Adam movie. Yeah, yeah. This is this is another one where it's about as Adam as you could possibly get. Yeah, which is why I included it. But again, this is it's just a great film, guys. It absolutely deserves to be on this list. So, I really like this movie a lot. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. I also watched it the other day to catch up. Here's one thing that I forgot. Mm-hmm. The performances in this movie really good. are really, really good. good. Yeah. yeah, Peter Weller as RoboCop, awesome, very good. You ever see, like watched his movements carefully? How good he is at yeah. that, just being in this really heavy, terrible suit that he's got to lug around, but it's so convincing. Right, Ugh. it's like Bane before Bane, bro. Yeah, awesome in this movie. It mechanical, but also has like a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. It's a strangely hard performance that he pulls off i know clarence boddicker and played by uh clancy brown yeah. not clancy brown jesus uh kurtwood smith jesus yeah as the villain the creator of ed 209 no right no, no creator of ed 209 is the guy from deliverance who falls out of the oh window. right 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 yeah uh, kurtwood smith plays the guy with the glasses who's bald and uh kills him at the beginning got it got yeah. it got it yeah the bad guy okay yeah. sure yeah also really good in this movie, small role, Miguel Ferrer. Do you know who yeah. that is? Oh, the guy from ER has the helicopter falling him. No, no, no. That's who is that? Miguel Ferrer is the guy from Traffic. Um, he's the guy from Traffic who gets poisoned. He's the guy that gets blown up by the grenade in this movie. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he's in Twin Peaks as well. Oh, oh, he is? And he's awesome in Twin Peaks. Interesting. Okay. Really good. And actually just passed away like two years ago as well. Yeah, I know. He plays the creator of RoboCop or the, right. the scientist that originates the idea 
really fun performance is just so all over the place and the movie just goes for it <laughs> and is clearly like a cheesy 80s uh action movie and pulls it off in spades and also has some interesting stuff to say about society exactly so, so very very specific social commentary with class and capitalism and whatnot and law enforcement and how that's ha- how that should be handled and maybe how it shouldn't be handled uh, and it's it's a very interesting character study on again uh, the the nature of humanity as well, a drawing from Blade Runner again. So uh, yeah, it's just a it's a strange movie to be considered, I guess, the best of the year. But I think it I think it is. And it's a very iconic <laughs> film in that way. I just saw a fucking KFC commercial with RoboCop in it. Hmm. What the, what, I don't even know. I feel like it's more of a cult classic though than it is like a. No great sort of mainstream appeal movie. It's only mainstream in the sense that I think most people know uh, know the idea of Robocop or know the image of him. Yeah. Re- less so than the movie itself. Yeah. I don't know if the movie necessarily works as a satire as well as it does an action movie. And maybe I'm wrong, but there are there's like this Paul Verhoeven thing, and he clearly does it in Starship Troopers as well, uh-huh. where he intercuts like news footage and commercials. Yeah. And gets a little heavy-handed in terms of like you know there's this news about how a bunch of people are dead in this war zone (laughs) cut to the nukem family home game where mom dad and kids can bomb the shit out of each other on a family uh friendly game night and it's like all right you're getting a little too heavy-handed with sort of the the ills of capitalism yes i just think like this works better as a touching movie about a guy that gets killed and then is brought back to life yeah but it gives it a little more substance than a, than a film like this normally would have i mean could you imagine if this film didn't have that aspect to it i'd be okay with it i don't know if i would i think i would i don't know if i would because they do it in other because uh, they get really bad with it in like robocop 2 okay. which i don't even mind robocop 2 but that film gets to the point of like being childish right with the way it handles those themes and it's and it's like okay now now the the social commentary isn't even worthwhile so that's a movie where i'm like okay get rid of it entirely and just give me the action and it would have been fine yeah whereas like there is something about the way they handled the themes in robocop that feels far more i don't know genuine and it feels like they actually meant it especially in the scene where he goes uh, back to his home which i quite love yeah so yeah i did yeah i do too you know it's a, it's an action film and he's just it's just robot dude walking around his house it's right great right and slowly gets the flashbacks of his family life. Really good stuff. Yeah. It's a funny movie. Yeah. <laughs> Odd, like, Verhoeven humor, too. That's really kind of dark and silly, but uh, and violent. <laughs> it's so Verhoeven, man. <laughs> like, uh, the, the ED-209 scene in The Officer just blows the shit out of the guy. It's yeah. so funny. <laughs> yeah. <we're> gonna... <laughs> that scene is great. <laughs> and by the way, ED-209, as a creation, is so creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's that that stop motion animation that went out of style in the early '90s when Jurassic Park came around. Yep, I really miss it. Yeah, because it, it it's effective there. Yeah, it freaks me out weirdly more than the most realistic CGI ever did. Something about the way it moves. Yeah, I agree. Like when it first starts up and it just jumps, it's a weird split. But you know, you don't really expect it to to move that way too. And it's it's there's an uncanny valley effect, and right, I love that. Yeah. And also when he's like falling down the stairs. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. Ed two hundred nine is afraid of just, walking down just one flight of stairs, just flopping around. Isn't it great? Yeah, I agree. It's awesome stuff. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I don't know again if it holds up as a work of of social commentary as much as it does an action movie. But maybe that's, that's not my a bad only thing. nitpick. I don't maybe know if that's necessarily a bad thing though. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. Best movie of the year. Mm. We'll talk about it, I guess. Yeah. And finally, 
This is one that I... You and I on. toil with this one frequently, by the way. We're very on board with this, I think, too. Are we? Yeah. Oh, you're on board with this as well? Uh-huh. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yep. Directed by John Hughes. Also written by John Hughes. It's a tough one for me. Another guy with an incredible run. Mm-hmm. Really, really good run. I don't know if this is his best movie, but it's probably my favorite of his. What's his best movie? Probably Ferris Bueller. What about The Breakfast Club? Sure, could be. Okay. Maybe 16 Candles, too. I don't know. Mm, okay. Yeah. I'm going to actually go Ferris Bueller. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Ferris Bueller. Yeah. We'll talk about that, I think, when okay. the year comes. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin and John Candy are its stars. This is a movie that I watch every single Thanksgiving. Okay. Without fail. I do not. But, every Thanksgiving. But I like this movie quite a bit. Do you have those traditions in your life? That are, everything I watch, uh, I, I watch Die Hard every Christmas. Uh, I watch Halloween every Halloween. I watch Jaws every day. <laughs> <laughs> you watch Mad Max every other hour. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I watch Blade Runner in between those hours. Like when I have like a long stretch of like five days, I'll just throw in Blade Runner 2049 and then I'm five days is up and you know, yeah. then I start over again. Sure. You come out of your little pod. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You're like the creatures in the matrix. <laughs> just, just running. I like Blade Runner 2049 all on day. On loop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've lost so many uh, meals to, to not getting up for Blade Runner. <laughs> mm. the, um, John Candy is so fucking great in this. Yeah, he is. He is capital G great <laughs> as Del Griffin. And it's part of the reason why I struggle with this one, because it's probably his best performance. Oh, yeah. And, oh, God, it's so... It's, what else is even in the same league? <sighs> Uncle Buck? I, maybe, I guess. I don't even know if it's that, though. The polka guy from Home Alone? <laughs> no, this... It's Yeah, it's probably this. Yeah, gotta be. It's like a heartbreaking, funny performance, though. I love it. The twist at the end hits you so strongly every time you watch it. Mm-hmm. And that whole relationship is just so good. And it's a fucking hilarious movie. I agree. I, every time I watch this movie, I find something new to laugh at. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's a shower... No, he's a shower salesman... What is it? No, bathroom salesman, shower ring division? Shower, yeah, yeah. Shower ring salesman. He just sells shower rings. No, but Shower curtain rings. It's the shower curtain company ring division. <laughs> it's the... <laughs> Oh, this whole company that sh- sells all the shower shit, he's the guy in charge of the rings. It's like, what kind of fucking job is this? How do you find yourself at, like, what university did you have to go to? <laughs> I I just love how uncomfortable Steve Martin is. Steve Martin's also very good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like, a huge fan of Steve Martin's really? cinematic career. I love Steve I never Martin. liked The Jerk. Maybe that's my problem. Do you like The Jerk? Yeah. Okay, I never liked it. Okay. I never really got it. All right. And I like Roxanne a lot. All right. He's good in that. Have you ever seen the uh, Dead Man Men Don't Wear Plaid? No. You should check it out. It's pretty funny. Okay. Yeah. He also did like some dramatic movie that people love, which I, I, I don't I don't know if I've ever heard of it. I don't know. But apparently that's his best performance. Okay. Um, John Candy's the reason why I love this, though. Yes, I agree. Instantly quotable. Um... Those aren't pillows, obviously. <laughs> hell of a game. Hell of a game. Hell of a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and this has one of the funniest scenes. Uh, like, if I have a top 10 list, you know, you got like the r- rhino birthing scene in uh, uh, Ace Ventura 2. 2. 
That's in your top 10 funniest scenes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a Some, great scene. A few things from Monty Python. Monty Python's still probably another, number one up there. But you have the scene where they're going the wrong way. Yes. I oh. will just watch this on YouTube on loop because it's so fucking funny. <laughs> when he turns to the devil and just laughs like John... <laughs> thinking about it now (laughs) i love that sequence i love everything about it it's perfect here's another thing that i'll throw at you Mm -hmm. it's a thanksgiving movie and how many good thanksgiving movies do we have there aren't any Mm -hmm. it's the only one Mm -hmm. so if we're talking about it in terms of iconography that's got to mean something this is a movie that they show every year at a particular time yep there's a million fucking christmas movies there's not a single good thanksgiving movie besides this one what about thanksgiving I, Thanksgiving three maybe okay. Right, well, maybe throw that one on. The we list. know it's better than uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, but you know, right? It's like there's no competition. It's not eligible for the Hall of Fame yet. All right, we'll talk about <laughs> That's that. That's right when it gets there. When the time comes, <laughs> it's a great comedy. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time. Planes, yeah. planes, trains, and automobiles. I have a feeling it's not going to really be in the running for this though. It's so fucking like to me. And this that is, upsets me. To me, this is closer than uh, broadcast news. Wow. It just is. It's certainly more iconic. Yeah. I don't think it's better. I don't think it's better. And maybe not in quality. I feel like eh, that's the thing. Maybe not in quality. It's pretty close, though. People certainly draw from this one a lot more, I suppose. Okay. Just the John Hughes movies are aped all the time. Sure. We just had it with Spider-Man Homecoming. (laughs) Sort of. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Finally. Full. Metal jacket. (laughs) (laughs) That's my retort for fucking full metal jacket. No, I don't dislike this movie. I like this movie. It's solid. It's not. Could you be any less enthusiastic? I'm not. I'm not terribly enthusiastic about full metal jacket, though. All right. Well, let's get on the soapbox then, shall we? (laughs) Pull it over for me, will (laughs) you? All right, I am now on my soapbox. <laughs> Good for you. Thanks, buddy. Full Metal Jacket is directed and written by Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Based on a novel. Yes. Starring Vincent D'Onofrio, mm-hmm. Matthew Modine, and Arlie Ermey in his first ever cinematic role. That's correct. Arlie Ermey snubbed by the Oscars last year. Last week, I should say. Yeah, it wasn't in the in memoriam. They Not t- in it. They totally forgot about him. Made me very upset. Assholes. Arlie. I didn't know they stack shit so high, Academy. <laughs> <laughs> You're so ugly you could be a modern art masterpiece. I bet you're the kind of guy who would fuck a guy in the ass and not even have the goddamn common courtesy to give him a reach around. <laughs> Beautiful line. Beautiful. Everybody knows the story of Arlie Ermey by now. Yes. He was on set for this movie as a consultant with Stanley. He was giving some insight as to how people would actually act in boot camp. Arlie Ermey is a drill instructor himself yep. in the military. After a few takes, Stanley was like, wait a minute. You're better than the guys that we hired to play these roles. I'm going to fire the actor and now you're going to play it. Yep. And rather than work off the script, and this is like unheard of with Stanley Kubrick movies, Arlie Ermey was allowed to improvise many of the lines, including the famous one take scene or a uh, couple take scene 
where he is walking through the barracks and insulting each of the new recruits one by one. Yep. It's great. Is it like one of the 15 best scenes in the history of cinema? That scene? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's it's it is. there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's certainly iconic. Yeah. And like although like maybe the lines aren't necessarily quotable, the imagery itself is very Absolutely. iconic. And this is what I care about more than anything is whether or not the imagery is iconic and memorable more so than the quotes yeah and yeah uh this the first half of this film is the best war film ever made as as you like to say it is it's also the best stanley kubrick movie ever made that first half yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. but that's not all the film it is um here here's my argument this is the least artistic stanley kubrick movie ever made it is the least stylish. Probably. There is not a ton going on behind the camera. And for I think the first time in Stanley's career, he decided to get out of the way of his actors. That's very un, uh, uncharacteristic of Stanley as well. Incredibly uncharacteristic. Yeah. And that's I, I, and specifically with R. Lee. But mm-hmm. he decides to make this movie look like a documentary and feel like a documentary. The lighting is very stale. It's almost like it's shot in an office building. Mm-hmm. The camera, again, doesn't move all that much. It's a lot of medium shots. That's right. These guys don't look glamorous. Nothing about their line of work looks glamorous. Mm -hmm. And so the first half of this movie, I think, is meant to show us how war is essentially a factory line. Yeah, I agree. Recruits come in, soldiers come out. And the boot camp process is what happens in between on the conveyor belt. Yep. And it's very disturbing with how accurate it actually is. I actually had a, uh, my where my brother is currently stationed, a couple uh, people that he roomed with actually ended up killing themselves. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a guy uh, slid open his wrists and then ran around the hallway and he didn't even make it like 10 feet. Wow. Yep. Jesus Christ. Yeah, same thing happens here. Pretty much. Yeah, in, in more disturbing of fashion. Mm. Um, the second half of this movie, although people don't love it, and I'll it's very admit, good. when I watched it at first, I didn't love it either, is about selling this process to the people. Mm-hmm. And it's about taking what should be quite uh, disturbing and uh, something that is a hard sell to the American public and making it palpable. And making it easy to swallow mm-hmm. and using media and using journalism to do it. Ironically, this is another journalism movie on the Kinda, list. Yeah. Matthew Modine is a war reporter yep. who is essentially tasked with making propaganda. And by the end of the movie, there is this disturbing sequence where there's this big shootout, which is an incredibly yes. made shootout. I love I do love that shootout. So well it's, it's, choreographed. Oh, it's by far the best part of that whole sequence, and it's really eerie and just oh, it's so disturbing every time anybody gets hit. Right. I mean, it's it, and again, it sort of over exaggerates certain violent elements, but again, it's 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 a similar effect that Tarantino talks about a lot with how you use violence to make the impact uh, all the more important and disturbing. You're never really it's it's never like uh, you're never cheering for for anything that happens in this film at that point. Right. It's just it's just oh, it's like nauseating at times. Right. And there's also, you know, and by the end, so the end of it, they end up having to kill this woman mm-hmm. who is out there fighting for her family in in, uh, in Vietnam. It's a Vietnam movie, right? It's not yes. Korean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vietnam <laughs> movie. Sorry. I get them confused sometimes. Um, and 
by the end of it, when they're walking away, all this bloodshed has gone down. They're singing the Mickey Mouse theme song. And it's supposed to sort of represent how American culture is complicit in the selling of Vietnam and this sort of pointless violence taking place overseas. Well, it's like, look at what ha- what's happened to our boys. And they do that very well by illustrating them singing their, their Mickey Mouse theme. Yeah. But they're killers. Exactly. Yep. That, to me, is better social commentary than the social commentary in RoboCop. It's more effective. And this is where I kind of just In my humble opinion. <laughs> the first half, yes. Uh, I don't learn anything from the second half of this movie. In I, terms of what? Like, like it, nothing that war films hadn't done before, especially out of Kubrick films, by the way. He does it a lot better in... Uh, Pads of Glory? Oh, my God. It's not even remotely close. Not even worth discussion. Well... <laughs> That's a more, art, again, artistic movie and stylish movie. Sure, yeah. And it's from earlier on in his career. I just feel like this stylistically is, is, is it's going for different things. Yeah. It's trying to emulate the look of like a recruitment video or a documentary mm-hmm. or, um, and, and it's a lot more journalistic than it is artistic. Mm-hmm. In the way, it's sort of weird because it came out the year after Platoon. And for some reason, those movies are forever married in my head because they're about the same war and they came out around the same time. Yes. Platoon is very much like the apocalypse now of that era. It's it's I, and that's even because I don't really consider apocalypse now a Vietnam movie. Yeah, but it's right. It, it's it's a little more uh, that sensibility of where it's uh, it's a little more theatrical and a little more over the top, even though that movie is still a lot more gritty than apocalypse now is. Mm-hmm. Full Metal Jacket is just attempting to tell the story of what's happening to these boys mm-hmm. and not really get in the way. And I appreciate that a lot, you know. I do, too. Especially in the filmography of Kubrick. Sure. I, j- I just don't know if he, it, it, it's always executed well, honestly. It doesn't have a lot of resonance with me for wow. that reason. It's like it's a film that I realize what's going on on screen. I just never quite feel it aside from that first half. It's sort and it's again this problem with Kubrick. I think if he needed to do that well, he would have actually needed to take time to give his characters a little more humanity, even if they're supposed to be killers. And it's it's I think it works well in the first half because it's all about draining the humanity away from these people, and then by the second half, it's pretty much all gone. And Kubrick is very you know it's it's weird. He has like a natural tendency to give his characters like absolutely no humanity, and in some instances it works very well, and then other instances like. The, the second half of Full Metal Jacket, it just kind of loses it for me. I don't, I don't care to even listen to what the point is, even if I can see it. Okay, that's a fair criticism. Yeah, I disagree with it, but I think it's that's, a fair. No, criticism. And that's fine. Like I, it's a movie that I, it's like I want to love this movie more than I actually do, but it never quite gets there with me. Yeah. Number ninety-five on AFI's one hundred years, one hundred thrills list, mm-hmm. nominated for best adapted screenplay, did not win. Vincent D'Onofrio is tremendous. It's a star-making role for him. Yep, and it's, it's sorely lacking <laughs> the Vincent D'Onofrio by the by uh, by the end of it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I feel like you're right. If this is a two-hour movie about boot camp, perhaps we would be talking about it in this canon. It would be nicer if it ended with the Vincent D'Onofrio storyline. Yeah, in my opinion, maybe. I still think you know what gun to my head. It's my favorite movie on the list. Really? Gun to my head. Yeah. Ooh. Just fa- not best favorite. I think Broadcast News is the best. I think Full Metal Jacket is the one that I've watched the most, that I rewatch on YouTube a lot, okay. that I quote the most, that I still laugh at in a sick, sardonic way. 
interesting because I it just don't get it doesn't get there with me. Okay, it that, doesn't get there with me. That's fine. It's one of my favorite Kubrick movies. Really, it is. It is. I think better than Doctor Strangelove. It's not better than Doctor. I Strange. like it more. It's not better. Okay. <laughs> But again, it's the one that I've watched the most. All right. Besides The Shining, I've seen that and The Shining the most. Because there's a there's a quite a few Kubrick films that I I don't I don't even think it's in his top five. And he didn't make many films. <laughs> it's not better than Clockwork. It's not better than Two Thousand One. It's not better than Strange Love. I don't think it's better than The Shining. Nah, fine. I not better than The Shining. It's not better than Pla- uh, Paths of Glory. Okay. You love Barry Lyndon. That's yeah. Fine. That's close. Uh, honestly, oh boy. I want to hear? Don't you? Don't no. Stop. Shut up. I like Lolita. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Eyes Wide Shut. No, 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 no. I fucking love Lolita too, but it's not better than Full Metal. It's Jack. close. The, the, to me, that's about the as, as far as like overall quality. If I were to somehow quantify art, they'd get pretty close. Right. Spartacus. There. No, it's better than Spartacus. I agree. All right. Fine. Okay. So. Let me decipher what you've just said over the last hour to me. Yes. And tell me if I'm wrong. We both agree Predator, although you love it. It's my favorite film on this list. Is not really up to snuff. Probably not. With the rest of the list. (laughs) As far as our criteria, I suppose not. There's a lot of me that disagrees with that, but... This is my least favorite movie on the list. Is it? Yeah. That's a shame. I think it's the worst movie on the list. I do. I think it's the worst. I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's the worst. I think it's right there with Princess Bride as far as quality. I'm crossing it off. Eh. Will you allow it? Uh, it's about as good as planes, trains, and automobiles for me. What's as good as planes, trains? Predator. Wow. Well, okay. Well, will you let me cross off broadcast news if I cross off? Yes. If you cross off Predator, yeah. 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 That's a healthy compromise. Fine. They're gone. <laughs> Say goodbye. Um, all right. What's next? Help me. Uh, full metal jacket and uh, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Let's put those next to each other. I say planes, trains, and automobiles. You say is better? Yeah. You say planes, trains is better? Mm-hmm. And it feels I'm really shocked by this. Feels weird to say that. I was not it? ready. I thought I was going to have to stand up for planes, trains. No, I love planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay, I will give you. I will give you Full Metal Jacket, j- just on the strength of the second half. Even though I I stand by the fact that the second half is underrated. I, I'll and, even and people say should think about it some more. I'll even say it's underrated for you. That being okay. said, I don't think it's good enough to warrant. Best very player. iconic movie though. Sure. And I, by the way three to four other Kubrick movies are going to get in this Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to do that. Even though we probably shouldn't play that game. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> it's gone. Fine. All right. We're, we're left with three. Robocop, Princess Bride, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. What is the most iconic movie of these three? Princess Bride. Okay. So that is getting... That is getting Legacy. Yes. Right? That's getting Legacy. Mm-hmm. Princess Bride. Impact. Most impactful? Yes. What movie had the most influence on filmmaking, on the filmmaking industry? <sighs> Planes, Trains set set the tone for a lot of 80s to 90s comedies. 
RoboCop did the same for like like uh, sort of the punk filmmakers. A lot of the ones that we get today. Okay, give me some examples. I mean, Jeremy Sonier, I believe, loves RoboCop, and then okay. Guillermo loves RoboCop. Uh, I think I even think uh, uh, James Cameron was influenced later on with a uh, like uh, Terminator Two to a certain extent. Um, um, Alex Garland and Pete Travis with uh, um, uh, Dread quite significantly, actually. So you get a few in there, although films that don't necessarily shape the scene afterwards. That's the only problem. I don't necessarily know that the sort of the 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 tone and the feel of that movie is present in a lot of others. That's and that's thing. not necessarily an insult because the movie is unique mm-hmm. and is a one of a kind because it has a one of a kind filmmaker behind it. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, to me, it's more of a cult classic and is one that, again, has impact on some of the filmmakers that you're talking about. Yes. But in terms of the industry as a whole... Uh, Yeah, it doesn't quite have that same effect. Not really. I agree. I wouldn't say Princess Bride does either, though. No, it doesn't. Which is weird that I actually think planes, trains, and automobiles had that best impact. But But that's crazy. I don't even think it had that, that kind of cinematic impact, though. It's just a beloved film. The, the the only reason I might give it to RoboCop though is just because at least some filmmakers came came around and said you know what I'm gonna make a movie like that it, it got sequels and a remake and one a remake that was fine. All right, I'll give RoboCop impact. It's Quality, cl- it's close though. Quality. And this is what's the best movie here as far as well-rounded, what's well-made. The best movie could be Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> could be. <laughs> <laughs> could be what the fuck it's tough could be plain straight what the fuck bro <laughs> isn't this frustrating <laughs> could, if we're talking about just sheer like well-rounded filmmaking on all fronts like sound editing editing cinematography direction performances uh uh G- i mean jesus christ uh lighting everything i mean all, every technical thing you could think of could be planes trains and automobiles and here's the thing. It's either that or Robocop for me. Shit. Shit is right. And this is what we're talking about. 87, baby. We're getting down to the nub. All right. Here's my vote. This is, this is my vote. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will give quality to plane strains. Yeah. <laughs> wow. See what I mean? I wish, I'm, I'm actually shocked by the results of this. Because again, but I see I would swap out I would swap out broadcast news for quality and you would swap out Predator for quality. And this is the thing. I think Predator, as far as like constructing a film on the whole, yeah. is probably the most well made of all these. Right, and I would put broadcast news. And so I so yeah. really we're at a wash. Like I the only and Jesus, I I could put Full Metal Jacket in for impact and or legacy. So what the hell do we do with this list? We have to come. We have to. We vote. That's what we do. We, we have, vote. We have to cross one off the list right now, and then we ascend. Do you want to do that or flip a coin? I ain't flipping fucking coins. <laughs> I'm not leaving the movie Hall of Fame down to coin flips, All bro. Right. How many Drew Carries? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is hard. What's the worst movie here? What's the worst movie? You're going to say RoboCop, but I disagree. I'm, I'm going to say RoboCop. I don't know. 
Eh. What, in your opinion, is the worst movie? Mm. There's some dated elements to The Princess Bride. What would you cross out? I want you to cross off one, and I will cross off one, and that's the winner. Cross one out, bro. Do it. Do it. <laughs> What's the worst? Cross it out. Cross a movie off this list. The one that you le- least want on here. That's how we're going to do the it. The one I least want on Yes, here? cross it out. Cross it out. My person. Do oh. it. Do it, you son of a bitch. Do it. Cross it out. One that I least want on here. Cross it off. Show me. Show me. Show me. <laughs> I just made it very difficult for Nico. Planes, trains, automobiles off the list. Uh, ah, damn it. Mm, no, no, no. What are you doing this to me for? Now I got to do this? Now I got to be the bad guy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so weird. I thought we had sort of a consensus with planes, trains, but that doesn't feel right to me now. All right. I'm okay with it. It's off. That's fine. Yeah. Mm. Let me be very clear. I legitimately love both of these movies. Legitimately. I do. I really do. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> See what I mean? Alright, we gotta do this now, because this is just grueling for people. We're gonna do this every week. God damn it, how are we gonna do this damn podcast? We got places to be. It's fine though. We'll be there soon. Okay. Oh, fucking hell. I oh I, I really don't like that I crossed that off. I, I just do it. Just do it. It's fine. Robocop's off. Princess Bride, All congratulations. Right. That's fine. You've just made it in. Not to good. the movie Hall of Fame. Oh my god! See what I mean? <laughs> Isn't that awful? I feel. Oh. I don't feel so good. <sighs> Jesus, my stomach hurts. Yeah, it sucks. This is terrible. It, I'm sure it's good for you listeners. It better be good for you listeners. But this is awful for us. Are you okay with this? Yeah, I can live with Princess. Bride. Can you live? I can live with it too. Yeah. Is this where we're gonna get to? Can I live with that? Can I live with that? Okay, good. Yeah, I think. No, I don't want to be awarding the least bad. No. Like, that's, I think, one of the problems the Oscars has often is that they just give it to the one that everybody can sort of tolerate yeah. rather than the one that a few people love. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel that way about A Princess Bride, though. I think that's a, a fine pick. It's an iconic movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. No, I think it's. I think it's. We 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 made a good decision with that one. Everybody loves that film, and it's a. It's an important. It is an important film. Wow. National Film Registry film, right? Yeah. Yeah. There for a go. second there, I thought we were going to put Planes, Trains in, though. Wow. There's something about it that doesn't. I don't think it doesn't touch me, and I don't. Honestly, I'm not quite. Hey, fuck it. Uh, I thought for a second we were going to agree on it, but no, it's okay. That's that's the process. Trust the process. That's all right. Okay. We both had our say, and that's it. There it is. A Princess Bride. Because I'm going to regret that later. I'm going to be like, fuck, I should have gone. Yeah. I am too. I yeah. am too. But it's on. That's This is it, man. This is the movie. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're done. We're done. We got it. No, we're not done, though. No, what? Next year, we're doing another year in movies. 
Take out your goddamn list, bro. I got my list. All right, this is a process we're going to do now. Give me that coin. There's Penny over there. Oh, Give me that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay. Right. We're going to do a draft. Next year, we're doing the year 1980 to give you all the chance to to, uh, to catch up on the movies we'll be talking about. We're going to draft our list of six, mm-hmm. and those will be eligible for contention next year. Again, the year is 1980. The two of us researched the year ahead of time. Call it heads or tails. Heads. It's heads. Do you want to go first or second? First. Okay. Draft away. Okay. My first pick? Yeah. Raging Bull. Raging Bull. I will go Empire. Okay. Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. For those not aware. Yep. Go ahead. My next pick? Yeah. Shining. The Shining. The Shining. All right. I will go with Airplane. All right. Go ahead. My next pick? Oh, I don't want to do this. Don't, don't, then don't. <laughs> then don't, you fucking asshole, don't. <laughs> yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh... Just pick the one that you feel strongest about and put it on the goddamn uh, list. Well, you know, uh, airplane. I just took airplane. Oh, you took airplane? I yes. I didn't hear you. Okay, airplane again. No, <laughs> I'm going to go, uh, Caddyshack for you. Thank you, and I'll do the elephant man. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> No stress whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. I didn't want to stress myself out anymore after that that thing that we just did. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> this was fun. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> Fucking how are we going to do 2007? We'll talk about it when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we have to. Shit. Congratulations to a Princess Bride, the first ever inductee into the Movie Hall of Fame. Next week, another classic film where join the ranks. We'll find out what that is here and only here. Too many thoughts media.com or tmt.media is where you can find all of our podcasts. That's right. Including Why Is This a Thing? Cultured, The Nico Show, all up on the site. Mm-hmm. And now it's no longer movie hopping, it is the movie. Hall of Fame. Have to get used to saying that. That's true. And we're going to do this until we die, literally. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I'm so excited, and I can't wait for more of these debates <sighs> from here on out. Some of them will be a lot easier, by the way. Like 97, it's clearly Starship Troopers, the best film. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if you want to catch up, watch along. Raging Bull, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Airplane, The Elephant Man, Caddyshack, and The Shining. We will discuss all six on next week's podcast. And until then... We need a catchphrase, don't we? Yeah, we do. I was like, wait, what are we doing? Ad-lib it right now. Mm. Happy Movie Hall of Fame. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that.